Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a career development podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, looking to change your perspective, or just rediscover your why. I'm your host, Harsha Borolesa, and this podcast came about from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. In each episode, I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them about their career journey, their real life experiences, and to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you to take a fresh look at your career and assist you on your path to a more successful and fulfilling career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. I'd be willing to take less money to be able to do something that I see as fun and I can learn. What are the features and what are the benefits and what's the value that you bring? Just like you would a product or service, try to think about yourself in that way. Stop comparing yourself to people. Stop doing that, period. Everybody had to start somewhere. Everybody you're comparing yourself to was exactly where you were at some point. It doesn't happen overnight. You can do things in little bits every day, and you can accomplish big things a little bit at a time. Thank you so much for joining me today on episode 35 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. I'm delighted to welcome my good friend, Travis L. Scott. Hey, Travis. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Harsha. Thanks for having me. Look, been looking forward to this for a while. My, my pleasure. So before we, we begin, I just wanted to thank all the supporters of the podcast and the YouTube channel. The podcast has been downloaded in more than 60 countries now, including most recently Peru, Ghana, and Indonesia. And the YouTube channel is nearing 7,000 views. Thanks so much for all your support. Please like, comment, or share if you enjoy the content. Now back to the show in Travis. Travis well, is a that's mar- impressive. That's impressive, man. I, I, I guess maybe I should have wore my shirt that says I'm a big deal in Finland. Uh, I, I guess you'll probably have some some downloads in Finland, right? So, um, yeah, I, I need to check my list. <laughs> anyway, back to Travis. Travis is a marketing and sales specialist and the founder of Rainier Digital, which helps companies solve interesting operational problems when it comes to marketing and sales. He also is a host of the Marketing Unboxed and the Winding Road podcast. After graduating high school, he attended Ball State University, eventually transferring to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, where he graduated in 1998 with a degree in environmental science. Early in his career, he decided he wanted to learn more about business. So he went back to school and obtained an MBA with a focus in marketing from the University of Colorado in 2006. Since then, he has worked in sales, recruiting, and eventually marketing, spanning a startup in Seattle, to Microsoft, to a small B2B distributor in Denver. He realized how similar marketing is to just about everything in life, since it's so deeply rooted in psychology. That's when he realized he could help people by teaching basic marketing principles and demonstrating how they can apply to your career. Travis is also the author of Think Differently, How Recruitment Marketing Gets You Noticed Over the Noise. Welcome, Travis. 
Thanks. Thanks. You make it sound like I've done done a lot. You you, <laughs> you sell yourself short, Travis. You know, I need to give you some career coaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you were mentioning that stuff, you know, I see the threads of different things, and you know, you mentioned Ball State. Not many people know I went there my freshman year of college, and part of that was because I didn't get into Indiana University. It was the only school out of like five that I applied to and, and did not get accepted. And so I was determined I was going to end up with a degree from IU and probably could have gone other places um, and, and uh, it been more aligned with what kind of what I wanted to do. But I was determined. Uh, they, they told me no, and I was going to prove them wrong. And, and I did. And Microsoft, I got rejected there five times. Um, and I was determined I was going to work there. And uh, one of those things you get in, it's not, not what you thought, right? And sometimes it's just kind of focused on the wrong things. I was focused on proving people wrong when I should have been pro focused on doing, you know, aligning things uh, with, with my interests and, and really what I wanted to do. Right. So, so yeah, as you were reading through that, it just kind of re reminded me <laughs> of kind of the things that happened and why they happened. And, and uh, there's some, some stories there. But I think the interesting thing about going through a resume, and and obviously you you're a good guy. I can I can tell you that. I'm not trying to like you know blow up your tires or whatever. But <laughs> I think sometimes people you know like yourself, maybe you're modest, but you've got a you know a great background. You don't actually realize the things that you've done. But I think sometimes it's quite nice to go back through your history and think, okay, like I've got into that school or I've got that qualification or I've got these interesting interests and background. And, and I'm not saying you should do that every day, but, mm -hmm. you know, once in a while, just to make yourself, you know, feel good, good about the things that you've done. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And it also kind of reminds us of things we need to do again, right? Um, I'm reading the book uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth and did her grit uh, little test, I guess. And I wasn't very gritty. And I'm like, because I feel like I'm really gritty. What, what I realized is that I'm just not as gritty now. And I think it changes. And with with my new business and kind of going out on my own, I need to get that grit back. And I think looking back and, and thinking about that, because I've thought about those things recently because of this book, it's like, hey, there were things I was determined to do and I wasn't giving up and, and that's grit, right? And I feel like I've lost a little bit of that and I got to get it back. Um, and I think that's how I'm going to make this business work is I've got to get, get gritty again. I've done it before. I just have to do it again, right? But I think in life, sometimes you have these sort of ebbs and flows, these ups and downs, and you can't always focus on uh, certain things. I mean, obviously, you've got kids, you're, you're married, you've got other things going on. So sometimes it is difficult, you know, having that focus. But on the other hand, I think if you do have a goal where you think you want to get to, um, and you keep going towards that, regardless of what goes on. I mean, obviously, you can't be delusional. Um, yeah, if if you like 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 podcasting, if you're doing a podcast and nobody's listening, I think that's a, a pretty strong sign to say give up. This isn't or, or pivot in another direction. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, but but I think you know, look at the market, see how things are going, and then think, okay, should I be going in this direction or whatever? Um, but but it's funny. I think sometimes with um, this grit it's a good thing and a bad thing because that you you struggle on the things that maybe you should give up earlier but on the other hand if you're not single-minded how do you succeed so it's a bit of a double-edged sword i think with all these things yeah I, mean, I think that's what it gets tricky and i think and, and i mean you already mentioned when i graduated from school so i'm, I'm old as dirt 
Um, you're looking good, Travis. You're looking good. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Try to run and, and hit the Peloton every day. Um, but I think with that, we've we've had experiences where we've been burned or we've been through things. And, and now that's in the back of our mind. And of course, we've got that voice in our head that's telling us why we shouldn't do anything. And if we listened to it, we wouldn't do anything. And so I think there's more of that. I think we're... Um, I think our our mind wants to expend less energy and it also knows it's been down some roads before. It's like, well, you know, and that voice starts to come in and it's, you know, it's like, hey, remember when this happened? Uh, when you're younger, you don't have that. Remember when this happened, you just have this theories, right? And uh, a lot of times you'll just say, that's just theory. Go away, voice. Um, and I think that's part of it too, right? And uh, and I don't, I, I don't want to generalize and say that the older you get, the, the more inclined you are to give up sooner, but I think you're leveraging memories, leveraging things that have happened that I think that voice in your head's leveraging that, right? It's like pulling out all the stops and, and telling you why you shouldn't do something. Um, and then the risks get, the stakes get higher. You get a family, you get kids, you get a mortgage, you know, it all, all plays in. I think, and I think it's just, it's more difficult as you get older to conquer that voice. And that's why I think you have to really be intentional and really understand like what's going on, right? Uh, to, to overcome it and uh, kind of ignore it. Yeah, no, I, Travis, I, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm saying this isn't easy. And, and actually part of the reason for starting this whole reframe and reset and the interest in uh, neuroscience psychology is it's almost doing work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think with personal development, um, there aren't really any silver bullets out there. A lot of it is about execution. And I think every day it's about saying to yourself, look, um, I want to try and do the best I can that day, try to get the best podcast guests, mm -hmm. try to do the best podcast. And I think if you, as long as you're trying, I think that's the main thing. And look, mm -hmm. um, neither of us know where the journey is going to end. And that's, I suppose, the fun thing about it. But I think you know, sometimes you have to look at those past performances and you know maybe um, that podcast interview that went well or the YouTube video, which was quite good. And just try and like reset your brain and say, okay, I can do things. Um, because I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I had no like background in production or uh, <laughs> podcasting or creativity. And I always joke that my favorite subject in university, I did economics with accounting, which is pretty oh, wow. boring. But my favorite <laughs> subject was um, auditing with accountability and got I have no idea why I like that but I think it was a good teacher and and I did well in it as well so I had no background in creativity but I ended up putting the work in I'm sure you've done the same and I think when you put the grind in and you, you keep going um good things happen I mean what, what do you think Travis yeah and I think it's also that I think you and I are both the same in that uh, we're, we're curious and we like to learn and I think that's that's why I got into podcasting. I was curious. I wanted to figure out how how does this work? I see all these fancy microphones and all this stuff, and it seems fun. And let's try it, you know. So so yeah, I did. And uh, and yeah, I've stuck to it most of the time. I try things, I get bored, I quit. And so so actually, to to still be going with podcasting since 2019, I guess that's yeah, that says says something for me and my personality yeah. of. Not, figuring not it out, yeah. seeing how the sausage is made and then be like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's boring. I get it. Okay. Not for me. Moving on. Right. Um, yeah. So. No, no, I, no. So that's a great point. And, and actually just um, talking about the arts, because I know that we both like, you know, obviously books, music. Um, mm -hmm. Is there a, like a song, book, 
film or performer that you'd like to share with our listeners and it doesn't have to be obscure <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh I've, I've been a john mellencamp fan for as long as i can remember because i grew up in indiana in a small town um smaller than his i'll say <laughs> he grew up in a big town compared to mine <laughs> um so i've got him on that um but probably like 50 miles away from where he grew up uh there's a little bit of an age he's my parents age so a little bit of age difference but um you know because we come from the same place his songs really resonated with me small town is my favorite favorite song of his um now my my kids want to listen to it which they're only three so i'm sure that'll change <laughs> three and two uh soon to be four and two but i'm sure that'll change soon but right now you know i get requests for mellencamp uh, from the back seat of you know from a from a car seat and uh and, and i'm always obliged but yeah um John Mellencamp is uh, always a favorite in anything 80s. I think uh, I'd love to reflect back on childhood. I think uh, COVID made me reflect more and, and want to gravitate toward that more innocent, carefree time. So, so yeah, I've listened to a lot of 80s. I joke with my wife that I listen to so much 80s now more than I used to um, that my kids are going to it's going to be like uh, that movie that the village where they think they're in this like sheltered time and they're going to realize one day that they're not, it's not really 1983 um, that there's this whole world of new music out there that they've never been exposed to. And, and all they know is John Mellencamp and uh, uh, flock of seagulls. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting when, when the kids start comparing music one of these days uh, real soon, like kindergarten and, uh, and my kids are, <laughs> clueless so they're like well i know i know def leopard you know def leopard <laughs> no who's that <laughs> so so yeah, yeah they'll, be they'll, they'll, they'll be yeah, it'll be interesting when they start making friends and they compare <laughs> the genes that they're listening to <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah yeah but, but i i think that's it. it's really interesting with covid and i think the, the the obviously it's a totally depressing and terrible time but I think there are things um, that great creativity has come out of that. And also just try to understand like what is our place in the world? Because yeah. so many people are just, you know, you're working hard, you're trying to get to the next promotion, maybe buy a bigger house, a bigger car, you know, whatever it is. And and thinking, okay, when I get to, you know, whatever age it is, I'll, I'll quit and I'll travel around the world. But, you know, for so many people that, you know, that hasn't happened. And I think you have to reassess the whole idea of like, what is your purpose in life? Why are you doing all of this? And I think, you know, from a career's perspective, if you're doing something that, you know, you're just doing it for the money, it's very hard to sustain mm -hmm. it. And you really have to figure out what your why is. And, and, and we're not saying every day in your job can be great, but even if it isn't, find something that you enjoy doing that, you know, whether it's listening to 80s music, <laughs> doing a podcast, reading some books, because I think, you know, it's that whole finiteness of, of time. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's going in one direction. It's never coming back. Um, I mean, what do you think, Travis? Something I've thought about a lot lately is, is what, what is enough? Traditionally, we've been wired, at least in, in the West, to always be climbing a ladder, climbing something, right? Um, more and more and more, more money, more prestige, more, more <clears throat> stuff, more everything, right? And I think it, it severely limits people. Uh, in their careers to, to have that mindset. Because a lot of times what happens is you get more and you spend more, right? And so now you're stuck and now you have to have more all the time. And I think that it's a trap, man. And and, and employers use it. I mean, there's age discrimination and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's real. It's probably the most severe discrimination that's happening right now, the most active. 
in, in my opinion, um, at least here in the US, because it's so easy to get away with, right? Um, it's so easy to do. And a lot of that's because they don't want to pay people. And uh, they don't want people who know more than them, right? And so um, kind of where I'm kind of going with this is that I've, I've found out since last August, since leaving a well-paid paying job, sec fairly secure, that I, I can operate with less, right? That, um, and that opens a lot of things up. And I just saw an article on LinkedIn about age discrimination just this morning. And someone's giving tips about how to update your resume. And I'm like, that's, that's horrible advice because yeah. that's just standard advice. Like yeah, update your resume for the job. You're like, that's standard. The real advice is stop spending so much damn money, pull back on your expectations for money yeah. and be willing to learn. Like if you really want to get over age discrimination, never lose that curiosity, never lose that learning mindset and, and kind of pump the brakes on how much money you spend and need. And I've thought about a lot about that lately too, because with part of the equation when I made the leap in August, wasn't a, a, a new mouth to feed in September of this year. And that's happening, right? And that, that changed things a little bit. And, and I've thought about, hey, should I consider going back in house? Should I take a job somewhere? At the end of the day, I hate taking orders from people <laughs> and authority. <laughs> Got it. Another Mellencamp song, authority song, right? <laughs> so it's so another thing we're aligned on. But then I, 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 there's, as I've gone out on my own, I'm kind of making a career pivot because I've done marketing, I've done sales, and I'm actually doing consulting in a space that I'm not super, I don't have a lot of hands-on experience with. And, and I'll admit that like in, from an operations, revenue operations, I have experience, but not in, I have never been a revenue operations professional specifically, right? But as I, I started to explore different routes, talk to different people, become involved in different communities, and I start to, started to become more exposed to this, I started to realize, hey, that, that piece of marketing, that piece of sales really aligns with what I enjoy. It aligns with my strengths, kind of the behind the scenes, solving problems, blowing up bottlenecks, making things work better, uh, finding the right technology, hiring the right people, all the elements of, of revenue operations, marketing operations really resonated. And, and now I'm going even deeper in, in sales enablement and uh, recently been involved in some, some kind of workshops and things. One was specifically on sales enablement. And as we went a little deeper, I'm like, this is actually a job. People get paid just to do this. I'm like, huh, that would be fun. And so now I'm really exploring it and I'm actually, I'm trying to pivot more towards consulting in that area. And eventually, you know, maybe take a full-time role in sales enablement. If I need a little bit less on my mind when I've got a third mouth to feed, the whole point of this ramble is I'd be willing to take less money than what I got paid before to, to be able to do something that I see as fun and I can learn. And I've never been in a marketing role. I've been doing marketing since 2009 and I've never been in a role where I've worked with people who know more than me. And, and I didn't when I started out, I just acted as if I did. And I would just kind of did some freelance work to get my foot in the door to get out of recruiting. And I kind of am yearning for a role where I can go in and like have people around me who have done RevOps, have done sales enablement for a while. It's not very old. It's not an old discipline focus, but just people who know more than me so I can learn from people instead of just books and webinars and blogs all the time, right? Like, Right. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point that you made, and, and there's some several interesting things. It's like because um, you've read that Cal Newport books, you know, mm -hmm. so good they can't ignore you. And I just like that whole idea of 
like developing mastery, real, real skill in a particular area. Mm-hmm. And I forget about this passion thing. Obviously, I think if you're good at something, then you'll learn to enjoy it. But I think, especially as you're getting older, if you can be so good at something, people will pay you if they think that you can deliver something. And, and the other point you're making about, I think, reducing your expenditure. Look, it is hard. There's this cost of living crisis everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can mentally figure out a way of doing with less, maybe you eat at home, you don't go out, then you know, the costs come down dramatically. And, and it's funny because sometimes I joke that if you look at the people you hang around with, if they're a crowd who only do like expensive stuff and you're not earning that much, you feel really bad about it. Unfortunately, you might have to change your friends. But <laughs> yeah. but actually, I mean, you can always make friends at different points in life. Oh, yeah. yeah, for us, we haven't actually met each other, but um, yeah, we connected over LinkedIn through Dory Clark's group. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I think at any stage in life, um, regardless uh, of you know, your age or where you're from, you can make new friendships. And actually, uh, Travis, sort of going back to the early days in Indiana, um, I, I remember you were saying you played a lot of sports. Um, did that teach you any particular lessons which have helped you in your career? A- absolutely. I mean, sports, whether individual or or on a team level, you know, I think the biggest the biggest thing about sports is you're going to have adversity. You're not going to go through playing any kind of sport, doing any kind of competition where you don't have adversity and have to overcome it. And go through ruts and and learn to deal with that confidence, you know, like, uh, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how, like, I, I was a receiver in high school and- But were you a slot receiver or over the- No, I was on the outside. Okay. Uh, uh, hopefully trying to, to blow by people. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a receiver and, and I mean, all summer long, all I would do is is just catch catch balls, you know, just practice, practice, practice. I practiced so much. Like it's all I did all summer long. Go to this, go to the school at 6 a.m. workout. And then after that, at like eight, uh, my cousin, who was our quarterback, we would just throw, I'd run routes and we just practice by ourselves till noon. We'd go eat, we'd come back and we'd do it until the sun went down. And in those summer practice, you know, call them practices. Um, so much of it is mental that it's just catching a ball, right? Like how hard is that to catch a ball, to go run a certain route and catch a ball, but you can get in your head so easily and get into a rut to where I, I remember specifically, I mean, this is 1992, man, like, and it stuck with me to where I got in my own head so much, even the coach noticed and this was summer, right? Like football practice hadn't even started, but he'd kind of show up every once in a while and watch and he'd see me in the workouts and stuff. And I just started dropping balls, things I would catch easily, things I could catch like one handed, all this crazy stuff. I'd make these crazy catches. And then all of a sudden I'm just dropping this stuff. And then I kept dropping it and it got in my head. And, and there's, it's a weird feeling when you're running a long, long route and the ball's in the air and you see it coming and you're kind of all alone. Right. And you're thinking about it. You have time to think because that ball will hang up there. Right. And you just drop it. I just remember just getting down and being in this rut and, and I eventually pulled out of it. Right. I, I reflect on that a lot because that's so much like life, man. Like you just go through ruts, things that were easy, things that you didn't even think about that you were doing. Now all of a sudden you're just like doubting yourself. Um, you're thinking, can I do this? You're pressing. And now you're like in, in pitch calls and you're like, not yourself. And, you're just in a rut, right? And so I think about that all the time. I think that's the biggest thing is is how to deal with that that voice in your head that 
confidence um, and, and maintaining confidence, pushing through those dips, getting to the other side. And um, that's the biggest thing because I went to Indiana University when Bob Knight was there as the basketball coach, <laughs> a legendary coach, as you know. And I remember he had a quote that mental is to physical as nine to one or something. I don't remember the number, but basically what he was saying is the mental part of the sport was more important than the physical part. And I, I think about that a lot, that it's it's so true, right? No, I, no, I, I totally agree with you. And, and it's funny because I play to you know, quite quite a decent le- level. And, you know, as you're going up through the ranks, you, you look at people, your peers, and you think, well, these guys are good, but they're not as good as you think they are, or uh, talent-wise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just they're so mentally tough. But I also think in, in sport as in life, sometimes you shouldn't think too much. Because actually, if you start thinking, you start doubting yourself. Yep. Um, like if you're going to do it, thinking about a podcast, just do it. Set a date, do it. If it if it's not good, hey, move on or pivot, move in another direction. If you're thinking about a job, you can do some research, but you're never going to fully definitively know if it's the right one or not. Sometimes right. you just got to just go for it. Um, and I think in, in life, thinking too much, obviously you have to think a certain amount, but I also, you, you've got to look at like what, where you are on the spectrum. If you're one of these people who's highly analytical, then actually for you, it's better not to think. Whereas if you're right on the like fly by the seat of your pants sort of person, then you should do some thinking. So I think it's, it's, you know, there's no one bit of advice which will fully serve you. You've really got to think, um, you know, tailor it to the individual. Um, don't, don't you think so? Yeah, absolutely. And the situation, right? Yeah. I think certain situations call for certain certain approaches. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And and actually going on to uh, uh, university and obviously studying environmental science. Um, so w- what was the um, story behind that, Travis? Was that part of the gardening or what? what yeah. Yeah. I've always been a plant nerd, an animal nerd. Um, I, I, I was a tree hugger uh, early in my life. It was really important to me. It still is important to me, um, you know, to to preserve the environment and, and protect what we've got because it is fragile more than we we think. And that that was probably the most aligned degree at the time that I could see myself doing. My focus within environmental science was was wetlands and water resources. Uh, so I got to go play out in the mud, in the dirt, right? Um, that's what I enjoyed uh, being outside and and being among nature. And then when I graduated, um, it somehow got involved with hazardous waste and (laughs) it, it working at Rocky flats in, in, uh, golden Colorado decommissioning, a, a department of defense, uh, site that was used to build plutonium triggers for nuclear weapons. (laughs) I'm like, how in the hell did I go from <laughs> exactly. playing in the mud to this? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I, I'm not digging working for the government or with the government or hazardous waste, sure. you know? And so, uh, and I saw, this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, and we were going through the dot-com yeah. bubble, right? And I saw friends like in, in the on the business side of things in the private sector, like getting these jobs and a lot more money than I was getting paid to, to you know, make sure I'm not downwind from uranium <laughs> exactly. dust. Um, I'm just like, man, I want to do some of that. I want, I want to be involved in that. Right. And so, so is um, that, is that what made you sort of switch to the, the marketing and the business mm-hmm. side and do the MBA? Was that the driver to sort of get more involved in the business side, Travis? It, it was. And, and I mean, I didn't really have any uh, intention of getting an MBA at that point when I did decide to make that switch. I ended up going kind of the, 
the path of least resistance, which is sales. <laughs> like they'll hire anybody on like mostly commission and throw you out there and, and let you struggle. Um, so I did that, realized, man, I, I like the concept of sales. I like the kind of the competitiveness of sales, but it just wasn't for me and it just didn't fit my personality. And so at that point, I'm like, well, I need to figure out what else is out there because I didn't really know. Like, you know, so I did an MBA so I could get a broad yeah. introduction to everything. As I was going through it, the things that really, re business law, I really enjoyed that, but I'm like, I'm not gonna go back to school again after this and get a law degree. I'm like, I'm done after this, like done. So I'll just chalk it up as interesting. Yeah. And then I really liked operations. Um, I loved the spreadsheets where we were doing modeling and we were doing inputs and outputs yeah. and bottlenecks. And I liked that element of it. Um, and then I liked marketing. <clears throat> and then I had to kind of decide, okay, wh which of these. And so I went marketing, it seemed a little bit more fun and I uh, could do some more fun stuff. And, and so I went that route, ended up in recruiting <laughs> accidentally. Um, so fought like hell to get out of that and uh, finally got into marketing as a career path. Now, as I'm starting to become more exposed to this idea of revenue operations, marketing operations, it's kind of pulling that operations piece that I enjoyed from my MBA in. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was a thing, man. Like this was a, a job. This is, I could focus just on this and not have to like write copy and do campaigns and SEO and ads, like sign me up for this op stuff. <laughs> Cause I'd rather work behind the scenes yeah, yeah. in a more analytical way. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. So, and, and actually just talking about recruiting, um, you know, obviously you've worked for Microsoft or you know, some you know, huge organization. I think it'd be interesting for our listeners if you could maybe just shed a few or share some comments on, yeah, if you're a candidate going for these jobs, are, are there any sort of pointers or th thoughts uh, which might help them um, become a, a better candidate? Um, any thoughts on that, Travis? Yeah. Yeah. Um... We've got a lot of thoughts on that. We probably need a we, whole we, different we, episode for we that. Have a few, um, exactly. Yeah. Just five points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would say if you want to go the toughest route, the most painful route, the, the route that's going to beat your confidence all to hell, uh, apply blindly to a job posting, right? And just throw your resume in a hat. Um, that's going to be the toughest route because your resume, no matter how well it's written does not tell the full story of who you are and what you're capable of, right? And recruiters and hiring managers are fantastic storytellers in their own heads of telling your story in their in what they would do, right? It just happened to me the other day when I was talking to somebody about a role. Um, you know, they, they, they tell themselves what salary you would accept, right? When I was talking about what's enough, <laughs> and, you know, if you're willing to go down, yeah. recruiters are telling themselves, why would this person want this lower role? Why would they take less? I wouldn't do that. So therefore, they they wouldn't do that. Right. They tell themselves these stories on your behalf. And a lot of times they're false. Yeah. Um, like, Why did this person leave? Oh, he must have got fired. He must have not done very well. Right. Or uh, maybe she didn't get along with something like they tell these stories. So if you're going to blindly apply be ready for recruiters and hiring managers to start telling stories 
on your behalf that are likely fiction. So, so how can candidates get their story out? Should they um, like post on LinkedIn, set up a YouTube channel? Because I think the interesting thing nowadays is it's very easy to be able to like tell your story, you know, set up a YouTube channel, do a podcast, you know, have a blog. Um, I mean, what do you think, Travis? I mean, I think the number one best way is, is build relationships, start to engage with people, start to form relationships and do it. But when you, you don't need yeah. another job, right? Yeah, totally. Like I think through all these communities I belong in, how I met you, how I've met so many people over the last just two years when I wasn't looking and I've just built kind of genuine kind of authentic, organic relationships over the course of two years. You know, there was a time I worried about age discrimination, but now I feel like I've, I've built up such a network of so many amazing people that who know beyond my resume, right? And they probably don't even know what I've done. They just know me and, and we've just had conversations. Um, they kind of know what I know, how I think. Uh, and I think how you think is is not something that can be on a resume, right? And so so I would say build relationships. That's going to be your, your best path. And I, I feel confident that if I had to today go out and start looking for a job, I would not have to lead with a resume. I would not have to apply blindly. Um, and there's a chance I may not even have to use a resume. My last role that I got as a director of marketing didn't even use a resume. So I haven't updated my resume in over seven years or more and uh, don't really plan to unless I absolutely have to because I plan to leverage relationships. Yeah. And, and I think that's just that's the best way to find the best job that you can find. Otherwise, you're probably going to have to settle for something suboptimal that isn't what you would normally want to do. But I think building from that, I think, you know, I, I was looking at your uh, blog in pre preparation for the interview and some of your websites. And I think it is actually quite nice, um, you know, reading stuff or, or listening to your podcast or watching a YouTube video, because I think there you can then as a candidate, you're getting your information out and okay you can have a relationship with somebody but then if they're trying to convince somebody else then obviously things like credentials qualifications and actually having you know written evidence of uh, you know, somebody's thoughts i think they're quite helpful um i mean what what do you think travis yeah absolutely and i mean i think i don't really like the word authentic even though i've, I've already used it <laughs> I, I think it's inauthentic to be authentic. right, right exactly yeah I mean, I think just be I yourself. Mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's okay to to communicate your values and communicate things like that, right? And and I think if people listen to my podcast, if people read my blog, I know I wouldn't be for a lot of people. They would say, "Oh, this he would never fit here." And that's you know what? That's fantastic. He's a Bengals fan. He's a Bengals fan, and. Uh, I mean, I do have a client that's a Steelers fan. That's who I was talking to right before this. And and, uh, and he has a Bengals fan that works for him. And we were all on a call one time. He's like, there's just too many Bengals fans in this call for me. Um, they're, they're trying to steal Joe Burrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think with, with a blog, with a podcast, share, share your value. I mean, I make it very clear that I value flexibility and I value my family and I value making experiences and memories. And so I'm not going to be at a company or in a role that compromises that in any way. Right. So traveling more than 10% is not going to be on the table for me. People hold back so much because they want to keep so many doors open, but the doors you're keeping open, man, aren't the right, aren't the right doors. And you, and it's better to let other people close them for you in a, in a way. Right. Which I mean, you're all kind of doing that when you apply to a role too. And that's, I mean, you got to be, you got to pick the doors and, and force the ones open that you want to stay open. 
and allow people to close the ones that you don't or you know deep down are not doors you should be going through, right? So I think having a blog, having a podcast, being not authentic, but just being like honest. Let's yeah. call it honest, right? Like if, if I showed my authentic self, I, I, my, my language would be a lot more colorful than it already has been. Let's put it that way. So that would be me, be, me being authentic. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody wants to hear that um, unless I'm at a, at a Bengals game. But, so. but, but, but I think that's, it's a sort of interesting point that you make about, I think, yeah, it, it can't be too hard. Um, mm. Yeah, there has to be uh, a, a nice give and take on both sides. Obviously, I think you've got to be professional. There are targets. You've got to beat those deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. But within that, there's a huge scope, I think, of, of flexibility. And I think as long as you're meeting your targets, you're delivering, then mm -hmm. yeah. what people should be able to work in the way that suits them. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you can tell that from you know, personal relationships or making friends that, if it's too hard, like move on. Um, you know, if there's that girl you're yeah. trying so hard with, she probably isn't the right one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just got to move yeah. on. However, then you're just stubborn, like me, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> give it up. Like, it, move it, on. <laughs> you're just going to be disappointed, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's not laughing at your jokes. Uh, yeah, exactly. She's not a baker. Yeah, all these things you had in your mind, these walks on the beach, like. <laughs> Not going to happen. She's going to complain she's cold or something. Like, it's just not going to happen how it happened in your head, right? So move exactly. on. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and actually, sort of, sort of moving on to sort of marketing and careers, um, I, what, what I really liked about your story is this idea of how you can combine the two. And I think that's what really, um, yeah, I, I won't really wanted to get you on the show because I think in life, you know, you can have a great set of facts, a great background. But if you can't sell that and you can't sell yourself, um, then you know, it's it's just not it really doesn't help you at all. Then you're just waiting for the fates to get that right job for you. And I think so much of life is about presenting yourself not in not in a way that you're not, but you've got to be able to uh, say in like five minutes, like an elevator pitch. What is it that I stand for? What I what can I do for you? Um, and do you want to like just talk a little bit about some marketing and careers? Because I, I mean that yeah. really could be another show. Yeah, I mean I've created an entire podcast around it, so yeah, yeah, yeah totally. it could definitely be an, an episode and in, in maybe thirty. Yeah. Um, I mean I think it's very important. I think it's I mean you hear personal brand all the time, but I think it goes beyond a personal brand because there's more to marketing than branding, right? And that's what I try to get through in my podcast, The Winding Road is is that the, the hardest thing we can do and donald c baker has a quote that i use a lot now ever since i i came across it a year or so ago that it's hard to read the label from inside the jar and it's so hard for us to see our accomplishments to understand the big picture to step back and see ourselves the way that other people might see us in a positive light, right? And and reflect on what we're capable of. And we've got that voice in our head all the time trying to drag us down. And, and I think though, if you can stand back, try to be more objective about, and, and kind of look at yourself as if you're, you're kind of remove the personal piece of it and just analyze yourself from a, a kind of a product marketing standpoint of what are, what's, what are the features? And what are the benefits and what's the value that you bring? Just like you would a product or service, try to think about yourself in that way. And who are you for? And who are you not for? Another core principle of marketing. Um, and then what are you for? What do you do? What do you want to do? 
if you've had a diverse background like I have, I mean, I feel like I, I still don't know what I want to do when I when I grow up, and, and so, you know how old I am now. So, but I don't think that'll ever change, man. I, I think that's just part of like loving to learn. Um, you just like just seeing that sales enablement is a thing, and you can get paid just to do that thing, and just realizing that it's like, wow, okay, things are going to open up that you didn't even know existed, right? And you have to be open to it. But so. from, a from a practical level, I mean, say, um, you know, people are either trying to develop in their careers or, or get a new job. How do you think marketing, because I, I think it, it can apply in a myriad of ways mm -hmm. about trying to create, I'm not seeing an image, but then really letting people understand who you are. So mm -hmm. practically, Travis, how do you think people can do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, if, if you think about positioning with marketing it's understanding the environment and where you slot in and what's your what's your value right um some people some some services are, are going to compete on price yeah. and some are going to compete on value or some some facet what's your facet what are you competing on that if you get head to head with somebody in an interview and in big companies like microsoft you know they'll they'll basically pull out their final three and that's their interview that's who they interview with so now you're directly competing with those people head to head. What what's your positioning? How how are you not not really different? Kind of different, but um, how do you stack up? What do you offer? Right, and and just really think about it that way. I, I think is 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 a good way. Yeah, cool. No, that's great because I I really do think look if you can um, stand out in a particular way, if you can say look this is what makes me unique, because then hopefully your view will be, um, it's not going to be typical, it's going to be atypical, it's going to be slightly different. And I think if you have a way of looking at things differently, that's a good thing. Yeah, if you have, if you've made pivots, and if you've changed careers as much as I have, at some point, you can probably think like, man, I'm not a master of anything. What What am I? <laughs> what, do, what do I do? But if you can look at that as a strength, hey, there, there's something to be said for kind of being a generalist across various things, right? I mean, find a specialist in SEO to, to talk about sales, to understand sales. And so I, I think it's really just understanding, again, that value, understanding, pulling it all together, connecting the dots in a way that, that shows how unique what you've done is, right? Like, I mean, for me, I've done sales, I've done recruiting, I've done marketing, I've been in environmental science, so I've worked with the government I've experienced a hell of a lot. I've worked at startups. I've worked at Fortune 100 companies. Um, I've worked for mom and pop private companies. I have a lot of experiences to pull in, can can offer a lot of insight on a lot of different things. So, you know, if we're talking about operations, we're talking about people, process, technology, like I, I could check all the, th all the boxes, right? I know how to hire people. I know what to look for. I know the technology. So, you know, if you just step back and, and give yourself a break, um, give yourself some grace, and just really look at your experience and say, well, what have I done? How does it all fit together? How does that make me unique? I think you'll be surprised with what kind of comes out the other end, right? Yeah, and I, lo I love that point. I think you know, we all need to be a bit kinder to ourselves and actually mm -hmm. say, look, you know, I think most of us are not like narcissists or megalomaniacs. Mm -hmm. So we tend to undersell what we've done. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually just say to yourself, yeah, well done. And, you know, maybe you should get your routes from the, the 90s. Yeah, exactly. And get yeah. A, a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> the best of Travis in one hand and Odell <laughs> Beckham Junior catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, whatever it is, anything to get you, you fired up. I think it's just about trying to, like, change, reframe the way you look at the world. To yeah. And stop comparing yourself to people. Just stop. Yes. Like, yeah. Stop doing that, period. 
Um, everybody had to start somewhere. Everybody you're comparing yourself to was exactly where you were at some point. And so it doesn't happen overnight. I think that's the tough thing, right? I'm impatient and I see these people. It's hard not to compare yourself. But then once you start to realize you've done it enough, you know, like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I don't have a plan to retire. Like, I've got time. Even though life is short, you know, I think if, if you can just kind of say, hey, it's going to take time. It's going to be, I'm never going to be a finished product. I'm going to die being an unfinished product. Just enjoy the process and the journey and stop looking for an, an ending. Stop looking for a finish line. Because for me, that only that finish line is the day I take my last breath, right? So that's how I, I started to reframe yeah, and my, I, my life. Yeah, so. and I, I think that's such a great point, Travis, this whole idea of just you know, focusing on the journey, the process, because I think um, as long as you can uh, take some enjoyment and actually see the progression, I think if, if you're doing a journey and there's no progression, then I think you need to change whatever it is you're doing. But I think as long as long as you are progressing, look, we all make mistakes, and mm. and obviously you pick those up, and you know whether it's podcasting or writing or producing videos, hopefully there's a progression. But I think as long as you can see the joy in the journey and enjoy the journey, then I think that's um, a huge part of it. And and actually, just moving on to your book, Travis, uh, would you like to just talk a little bit about you know the, uh, the process of writing it? And and also, I, th- I saw a blog where you talked about you know, Cal Newport and his book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, which I love, and obviously we touched on earlier in the podcast, and how that impacted you and how that helped you in your writing. Um, so I wrote the book as part of an Akimbo workshop back in 2020. The premise was to write and publish at least via Kindle self-publish a book uh, within six months, um, start in June at the, the solstice, summer solstice, and go to the winter solstice and publish on the on the winter solstice. So yeah, I didn't have a book in mind. It kind of did, but not really. And so I was kind of struggling with what to write about. And I was also kind of going through this reflective time. I mean, it's 2020, right? Like we all were reflecting in some way or another, I think. Yeah. And I was, you know, I had always looked at my diverse experience and some of what I've done as a sunk cost, like especially the recruiting. I did it. That's great. Uh, I'm moving on from it, right? But then shortly after I left recruitment and, and went into marketing full time, I started to hear about this thing called recruitment marketing. And I'm like, man, this is the stuff I tried to push when I was a recruiter. Nobody was buying it. And I'm like, now they're actually listening. And so I, I was curious and I'm like, well, what is this thing? Maybe... Maybe that's where I need to focus my time. And maybe my recruitment and marketing experience is unique enough. Like maybe that's in, in, in need, right? I'm just going to use my curiosity to write this book and just do research and talk to a lot of people and just figure out what is this thing, right? And then also apply what I know that might be missing uh, from recruitment marketing, more of the marketing stuff. And so, so yeah, that's what I did. I just interviewed a ton of people. I made it the best part of the writing the book were, were, were the people I met along the way. And, and I, I have new friendships as a result of that, of people I talk to. And, and so I, I wrote it and, and my wife thinks I need to leverage it a lot more and, and try to consider staying on that path. But, you know, I, I just realized that, you know, I realized that the things I didn't like about recruitment hadn't changed. And even though you can do some marketing, it's still the same thing. And, and I just, you know, it's not, not for me really. But I wrote it and hopefully it helps people. Um, who might be 
going into recruitment marketing, thinking about recruitment marketing, or even just marketing. There's enough basic principles in there just for marketing alone. And hopefully it just sparks some insight and some thought for somebody. And so I learned a lot and, and put that out there. And it also is kind of like running a marathon, like being able to say, okay, I did that. It was a grind, man. Every day waking up at four o'clock in the morning, because at that time I had a baby who was probably only four months old when I first started writing that book three months old. So I had to wake up early when nobody else was awake, really, and at least spent 30 minutes writing and drip by drip, day by day, came out the other end with a book. I proved like, hey, you can do things in little bits every day and you can accomplish big things a little bit at a time. And I, I think that has stuck with me. And, and I plan to write another book one of these days about something that maybe I can leverage a little bit more in my career, in my business. Yeah, it was just a fun experience to do that and, and do it in a workshop where you're doing it with other people um, at the same time and you're going through the same thing. And um, so it, it was just, it was a lot of fun and uh, look forward to doing it again. But I think that whole idea of just doing a little bit over a long period of time, you know, like Dory Clark says, it's the long game. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are just too short term there. Yep. Okay, if I can't get it done in a month, I'm just going to give up. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, say, you know, with any creativity, you have to put in a certain amount of effort and grind. Like the podcast, I'm sure your ones at the beginning, that you know, the, the stuff you do now is much better than what you did then. Yeah. But that doesn't make them any less valuable because you have to go through that process. You have to try and understand how to interview somebody, mm -hmm. how to create some chemistry, how to make yeah. it fun. Um, otherwise, um, you just won't get good uh, later on. And yeah. I think it's that whole you know, doing, doing things a little bit every day, whether it's like doing a podcast, doing a blog, making a video. That is that whole creativity. Mm -hmm. um, and I think really getting... Uh, your hands dirty and and really understanding the subject then and, and it's 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 interesting because I think internally you don't realize you're developing but the person on the outside can can think and see you and yeah. they can see oh yeah there is progression and I, I think that's a interesting takeaway which I hadn't really thought about too much yeah and I, and I think another big thing that I came away with is being okay with good enough yeah you know, you, we've all heard that perfect is the enemy of good. You know, I had this constraint of six months. It wasn't hard. I didn't have to have it done. And, and several people that I worked with in that workshop uh, didn't finish and are still working on it. And I got to the editing phase. The writing was easy. The editing, just that was hard. Um, and I ended up hiring an editor to push it across the finish line. Um, and... Yeah, our, I, I, our mutual friend, Brandon Surratt. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Good old Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. She helped push me through, man. And, and, uh, and gave me the confidence that it was good enough. And, uh, um, and, and it was, you know, it, it started in June. It was about November. And I think I had been struggling with the editing since October, just thrashing, you know, and just like, this sucks. This is horrible. About November with about a month to go, we got on a call with Seth Godin because he was kind of leading. Uh, it was kind of one of his workshops. He had mentioned that, you know, if you're considering on missing the deadline uh, and, and you're thinking about pushing it out, don't. He's like, I don't care if you have misspelled words, just ship it on December 21st, regardless, because if you don't, you may never do it. And I'm like, man, all right, now I feel bad. I, you know, I did commit to doing this on the 21st and and I'm so close. Um, if I get hung up with editing, I'll probably never get, and if I'm looking for perfect, it'll never 
you, there's no such thing as a perfect book, right? And and that's something I had to realize. And I think as a marketer, as a professional, understanding that good enough is is a lot of times even better than perfect. I had to be comfortable with that. And I realized, hey, that was good enough. And people enjoy it. They've taken something out of it. And and yeah, I've gone back. I noticed some, some things that were misspelled. <laughs> and the nice thing about a Kindle book is you can go back and you can fix that. And and uh, I, I kind of made sure that I had some of those things ironed out for a couple months before I felt confident to put it in print yeah. and paperback, which it is now available paperback. But that was a whole different uh, kind of feeling of like final <laughs> when it's in paperback. And I can't fix that that book in someone's hand. But I think just being comfortable, trusting in yourself and knowing like, hey, you're going to fail. Things aren't going to be perfect. No matter how perfect the book is, if you can't read it two years down the road and be like, oh, I don't think I would say that now or I would do this different, like then you haven't grown, right? Yeah, so, exactly. so that's why there's no such thing as a perfect book. I think just it made me comfortable with being okay with failing. As long as I'm failing and trying versus failing and just, you know, from just being stupid, like just careless, right? Yeah. There's a difference there, right? There's a big yeah, and, difference. And, and I just love that whole idea of trying because I think, look, I will never um, criticize anybody for trying. Okay. you might It, mm. it might not, it might be um, not the right thing to do, but if, if they're trying, then I really appreciate them for doing that. Um, and look, if you fail, you know, these these things happen and you know with sports and life i think it's about trying if you fail just you know, ha have a time to grieve think about analyze why things went wrong but then get you know start again and and try and do better and also i think with something like uh, a book or art it's always good getting somebody else to look at it because sometimes mm -hmm. you're just too close to it you don't realize right. that it's actually not yeah you know, it's good and you, you need an editor to actually say look <laughs> this is good enough yeah 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 exactly yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when Brandon read it the first time and she came back, she's like, this is really good. I'm like, okay. Is it? Right. <laughs> Are you just saying that? Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to be my friend or exactly. is it really, is it really good? Um, and so that, that kind of helped me kind of be okay. Okay. With that. Right. Like, yeah, well, we're, we're coming up to the end of our time. And obviously thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and being so generous with, with your time. Um, is there anybody you'd like to give a shout out to before we wrap up? Too, too many to list probably, but, um, well, your wife, I hope and your kids. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and kids. Um, and, uh, and just the, the people who have, have put together these communities, you know, like Dory Clark, where, where I met you so many fantastic people in, in yeah. that community, generous people yeah. Ch changed my career, my life. Right. And I'm now part of pavilion. So Sam Jacobs, who, who built that community, it's not easy to build communities, especially yeah. engaging communities. And, and ones that are so generous and, and both have tremendously impacted my career and my life in a short, short amount of time. And so, so I think those are the shout outs. And if you can get into a community like that, like those life changing, really. So. Cool. No, that that's brilliant. And, and Travis, I'll, I'll make sure all the links to your uh, various websites, social media, the book, that's all in the show notes. So yeah, we'll have all that covered. Um, but yeah, really um, appreciate uh, you taking the time to you know, be on the show today. Um, and obviously, best of luck with your two shows as well. Uh, <laughs> continued success. Uh, and, yeah. and hope you get bigger in Finland. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it. I'm working <laughs> on it. Um, yeah, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. We've, we've had this, you know, we've talked about this for a while. And, and uh, yeah, glad that we were finally able to connect. And I'll have to have you on, on 
the winding road sometime. Cool. No, no, I appreciate that. Anyway, enjoy your time uh, for the rest of the day and the week. And thanks again, Travis. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such an enjoyable interview. If you would like to listen to more episodes, then please consider subscribing to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Stay safe and look after yourself. I hope you will join me again in the future.